Thank you all. Take your Bibles, if you would, turn in the Old Testament to Habakkuk, Habakkuk the prophet, and keep your Bibles open there, if you will. We're going to be focusing in chapter 3. We're going to be reading verse number 1 and verse number 2. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 1 and verse number 2. Thank you for joining us today. Those of you who are visiting, it's our pleasure to have you. And we trust that uh, your experience of worship with us today will be meaningful as well as helpful. Uh, I've been preaching now for the last three or four weeks from this particular passage. Don't let that bore you because you could easily think that it's going to be repetitious. But in reality, it's not. We have used titles uh, like the one we're using today, but anyway, revive the church in the midst of... of the years, and we'll focus a little bit more there this morning. We have, uh, last week was a revival of the work of God. Remember chapter 2, I mean chapter 3, verse 2 said, revive thy work. Uh, let me just encourage you to remember, it is God's work. Uh, sometimes uh, I might say my work, or I might try to emphasize something that I'm doing, or you're doing. But remember, it is always the Lord's work that He is doing through us. So again, uh, a solid word in shaky times, uh, and then also knowing God's work. And we'll repeat that in just a moment. Now, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 1 and 2 says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigonoth, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known in wrath, remember mercy. Well, we're going to speak to that last phrase uh, this morning as well. When he says there, in wrath, remember mercy. However, there's three words. They all start with R that I want you to see today. The first one is uh, revive. Uh, The second one is reveal. And the third one we'll find in a few minutes is going to be remember. So let's look at the first word here. He says it there again in verse number 2. I've heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. For those of you who are historians, those of you who love history, those of you especially who have followed church history, you remember that there have been various awakenings in time past. You probably likewise recognize uh, the times that we're living in. Uh, we graciously need again a revival of God's work. Now, with all of that in mind, last week we talked about uh, the Lord's work. And we use these three phrases, but I feel like that they're worth re examining this morning for a moment, okay? When uh, we think of the Lord and His work, uh, we could study the life of Jesus. When Jesus would say, I've came to do my Father's will, we could study some of what Jesus did, if not all of that, and discover, I think, there were at least three themes uh, that I can find in that work. Number one, there is the work of evangelism. The reality of where we live today is that we are uh, increasingly 
becoming less of a uh, Christian nation than we ever have been. And some might would say, why would you say that, preacher? For the simple reason, if no other, there are more people being born into the world, uh, being born into our nation than they are who are exiting. Now with that in mind, who's going to evangelize the sinners? Well, Jesus would tell us, and we would see in His writings, that He had a heart to to see people come to God, and we know that was through Jesus Christ, the work of evangelism. Matthew 28 gives that to us. Acts chapter 1 gives that to us. Then at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit came in His permanence at Pentecost, the great result of that was Jesus, being lifted up and great numbers believing uh, the message. Well, also the work of encouragement. I meet every week and every day, if I would, uh, would just jot it down, I meet people who need encouragement. Matter of fact, some of you are here today, and you might have come with a little gloomy spirit. You might be here, and something is weighing heavy on your mind. Well, the reality of that is, uh, might we be able to encourage you? We've got some of you as saints that you're good at writing cards to encourage people. Others of you are making home visits to encourage people. The reality of teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, is means whereby the Lord there is getting uh, the message of encouragement about. He said, Do good unto all men, but especially to them who are of the household of faith. Then also we We reminded you last Sunday that we also needed to see a revival of the work of enlightenment. God is still giving truth. He is still opening blind eyes. He is opening minds that have been hindered. And as a result of that, these need to be days in which there is spiritual enlightenment. Oh, church, uh, none of us would know all there is to know concerning Him. None of us would even begin to think about we know all there is concerning the book because simply stated, we are ever learning there. Paul or Peter would say, grow in grace and knowledge and understanding of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So when we read this phrase, revive thy work in the midst of the years. I would hope uh, to tell you that I could live to see a revival of the work of God in the midst of my years. However, I don't know how many years I have left. I don't know how many years any of you have left, so we will just stick to the phrase there, Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Not only revive the work, but also revitalize the workers. Oh, we're living in days in which the workers uh, might have grown weary. We're living in days in which the adversary, Satan, uh, is uh, uh, accusing and falsely accusing in many ways. Uh, There the workers now are becoming very bewildered uh, and very weary of the work. 
I thought of a couple of passages. One of them is there on that slide, Psalm 85, verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? I really believe uh, that there is an emphasis there, not on just the revival of the Lord's work, but also a revival of the Lord's workers. Some of you, you have been diligent concerning uh, God's work in your lifetime. You have yielded yourself to Him as instruments of peace. Uh, You uh, have uh, dedicated yourself to the work of the Lord and the church. uh, And because of that, uh, this could be my prayer as well as your prayer, and that is that the Lord would revive us again, that thy people may rejoice uh, in thee. Oh, I trust you likewise today could agree with the fact uh, that as Habakkuk the prophet has appeared now on the scene, gives us uh, these three chapters now that we know of uh, Habakkuk there, one of the minor prophets. uh, We're seeing how he is coming unto the Lord there and having a word with the Lord. Psalm 138. Verse number five and verse, uh, verse number six, I'm sorry, and verse number seven said, Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. And somehow I see there that he is giving an emphasis not simply on reviving the work, but there is also the reality of revitalizing the workers. Where do we need revival? We need it nationally, do we not? Oh, my, my friend, uh, you don't have to read every newspaper printed. You don't have to watch every network newscast uh, to know that America itself is in trouble. Nationally, uh, we have got a long way to go to be even considered uh, of being a Christian nation. Not only do we need uh, revival nationally, but we also need it spiritually. And you say, why would you say we need it spiritually? Well, first of all, if we're not as close to God as we've ever been, we're simply backslidden. And I know you say, preacher, that was an old word from 50, 60 years ago. Why would you bring that word up? For simply the sake uh, there that we individually need spiritual renewal. So it really boils down to the middle word, doesn't it? Uh, We need revival personally. Now, if we would be honest with ourselves and also honest with God uh, the Father and God the Spirit, we would likewise recognize that there is a great need for revival of the work of God and a revival of the workers of God as well. In reading some commentaries this week, In doing some Bible study on these passages, I ran across a couple of quotes from an old gentleman, A.J. Gordon, who has a doctrine uh, or a doctrine of divinity. 
Now, Brother Gordon is not around, but he left us uh, some good uh, some good words here. And he, this one is entitled, Stimulants Not Needed for a Revival. He said, use nourishments instead of stimulants uh, in your efforts to bring up the spiritual tone of the church. Uh, by stimulants, we mean frantic appeals, severe denunciations, stinging rebuke. These rouse for the Sabbath on which they are employed, but their effect is exhausted before the week is over. And the application must be repeated next Sunday, and so on, week after week. By nourishment, we mean scriptures unfolded, expounded, and steadily applied. And again, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and are life, the Lord said. Oh, church, literally speaking, not figuratively, we stand in a great need for the Lord to stir us up that we may be the people He's ordained us to be. Mr. Gordon also said about revival. He said it commences with the few. Begin with a part of the church instead of attempting to move the whole mass together. Those of us who were country boys know how impossible it is to make a fire out of green logs alone. But if we can get some dry sticks and kindled around and underneath them green logs, we can make a hot fire with them. He said, don't begin your revival by trying to rouse the whole unseasoned mass of church members, but begin with a few of the most spiritual, and from these work out toward the others. Oh, I thought that to be so, so practical that we understand that there is pleasure in finding in the Lord's work and a place for those little things. In the Old Testament, there is a passage that says, Who hath despised the day of small things? Let me tell you something, folks. The Lord's work is never to be considered small. And the reason I say that is because each person is very unique to the Creator. And the Creator has created us for purpose. We may feel like Habakkuk the prophet today. He came upon the scene at this particular time in history, somewhere between 722 and 605 B.C. We had not saw any uh, sign of Him existing before. And if I remember correctly, there's not a mention of Him outside of this particular book itself. So we seem to be able, some to think that He might be a lesser important fellow. But I've discovered in my study of this little book that he uh, is hitting the nail on the head. He is raising there the tune and he is uh, letting the gavel fall where it needs. And that is in the subject matter of Lord revive the church in the midst of the days or the midst of the years. A second thing he gives us there, not only just revive, but the second word is reveal. Now, as I look at that word, this particular phrase, I have not mentioned it, I don't think, over these last three weeks, other than to read it. But he says there, revive thy work in the midst of the years, make known. 
Now, I have struggled with that a little bit. I confess it to you. And the reason I, I struggle with that a little bit is because I would love for him to have put something here that would have uh, expounded or expanded the reality of in the year or in the midst of the years make known. What is he going to make known? Well, if you go home and read all three chapters today, you're going to find that there's a couple of recurring themes there. And what I find first is there is the theme of sin, a subject matter that uh, most people would totally agree on the fact that, you know, we'd rather preach about the love of Christ than the subject matter of sin. But as we read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the reality of sin is prevalent. It sometimes even seems dominant. And please don't tune me out because I'm not going to try to beat you up today. I'm just going to try to help us see that this recurring theme of sin has not been diminished in our age either. Yes, the world is constantly battling these realities when it comes to sin. Joel, again, one of the other minor prophets would say this, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains a great people and a strong there hath not been ever the like, neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. Yes, there is the recurring theme of sin. Zephaniah, again, Old Testament minor prophet, would give us these words. He opened his little book with these words. The word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Amnon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume all things off the land, saith the Lord. Friend, if, if you don't want to be introduced to sin, don't read the Old Testament. If you don't want to be held accountable, don't read either the Old or the New because accountability is the second theme of this book that I discover. And that is where there's sin, there will be a time of a reckoning, I call it, with the Lord. Zephaniah again said in Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 14, said the great day of the Lord is near, it is near and hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty men shall cry there bitterly. The day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities, against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men, and they will walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Please understand today that uh, it is much easier if we had a list uh, there of sins to let people know what we stand against. 
But you know, church, let's not be known for what we stand against. Let's be known for who we stand for. And that is Jesus. We're living in tough days, are we not? In those tough days, we need to be reminded today that the Lord would bring us before Him that we might be able there to stand before Him in a holy way, uh, accountable as we do. I told you there were three words. First of all, it was revive. Uh, revive thy work in the midst of thy years, or the years. The second work was reveal. In the midst of the years, make known. So the prophet is desiring to, to see and hear from God there, that he deliver that message to the people as well. Well, there's the third word. And that is in this verse as well. When he said, Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. Now, many of you might remember that day when you wanted to say to your dad just before that little chastisement, now, Dad, in wrath, remember mercy. Oh, seriously. Hey, I was reminded and I shared it with the group earlier today and uh, it's not in my notes but it came to me uh, even in the evening or night last night. And that is when David sinned. You remember? David had committed the sin with Bathsheba. To cover that up, David had had Uriah, her husband, uh, uh, killed. Uh, and then David had lived, uh, some scholars believe, almost a year before that sin was ever brought to light. But when uh, the Lord uh, brought that, uh, David was asked by the prophet, Now would you, uh, would you like to fall into the hands of men for them to judge you? Or would you rather fall into the hands of God for Him to judge you? And, uh, and David made his choice, if you remember, and his choice was to go into the hands of God. And the reason David gives us, because, uh, or without me quoting it, was he knew God would have mercy. Not maybe perfect mercy, I call it, because we know that David did have to account for that sin, but yet in this God was merciful. I'm glad to tell you Lamentations 3, 21 to 23 is still a part of the book. And that is where it says there that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Church, let me encourage you, as we think about this subject matter of in wrath, remember mercy. Now, as I was studying this week, that word wrath made me look deeper. And in the thesaurus, that word wrath also could be translated anger or rage or fury. But you might say if we put one of those words, it would not have uh, the meaning of which uh, we find in the King James. Well, uh, that's all right. If you're toting a different translation, uh, I'm not sure you probably are looking at another word in wrath. People don't like to see God as a God who brings judgment. I remember a gentleman I was pastoring in the first church that uh, I was pastoring in the 80s. And uh, that was a, a hang-up for that gentleman. Uh, he had never surrendered to the Lord. Uh, he wasn't saved, but he was a regular. And, uh, 
the reality of his holding back on God was as he would read the Old Testament, he told me he just could not see and understand how God would bring across those judgments uh, in the Old Testament that seemed so hard. Let me tell you something. God does not find pleasure in judging us with His vengeance. God is not pleased when He has to bring His chastisement to you because of unconfessed sin. But I tell you, God is just. And the reality of that means that God is fair. And as He is, uh, this is just part of His ministry. In wrath, remember mercy. A thought that came to me over this week, there was this, a neglect of revival will bring retribution. Now, if we took the word revival out, I'm all right, for the simple sake uh, that uh, a, a neglect of sin will bring re- retribution. And the reason we say that is because the Scripture said, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when I look at all of that, I discover, or let me just say this, I am reminded that yes, God is a God there who brings us to accountability. Now, Three things about the Lord's judgment. Number one, it's sure. You say, can you, can you guarantee me that? I think we can. And I could go back to the Old Testament, and, and I could uh, prove some of those facts. Uh, you remember when, he let, when God let Abraham know what he was going to do at Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham uh, would, would plead for them, but yet, in, yet God gave uh, uh, the reality of that. That judgment was sure, was it not? When God gave uh, Jonah some instruction about Nineveh. If you remember, uh, Jonah did not immediately obey God. But a uh, second go-round, he was more faithful. And the Scripture reminds me that what God did is that He preached that message through uh, Jonah of repent or perish. And you remember what Nineveh did? They repented. You say, well, preacher, that God is fair. God is fair. He is just. We know what happened at Jericho with Joshua, don't we? Yes, we know what happened just a few days or weeks later up at that next little battle of Ai when Joshua would lead the people. And they turned their backs and ran from that little spot of Ai. You know why they did? There was sin in the camp. God brought judgment. I could go on and on and remind you that there is instances, and in all instances, God has been faithful to His Word Deuteronomy 11 and 16 says, Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and turn ye aside, and serve other gods, and worship Him. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. Oh, friend, let's just remember, yes, the word revive. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Let's remember also as he asked him uh, there concerning that revelation or 
reveal would be the better word, in the midst of the years make known. And then last this morning in wrath remember mercy. The Lord's judgment is sure, but the Lord's judgment also can be swift or sudden. Yes, some of these places that we talk about, it took weeks or months, and then even in some of them it took years. But when the Lord's judgment there came, it was swift and sure. I said to you that Habakkuk came somewhere between the year of 722 and 605 B.C. And the reason we uh, see that is because, again, of the period of the history. What had happened in 722 is the ten northern tribes had been carried captive there by the Assyrians. Judah and the two southern tribes continued to exist. But you know what? In 605 or about 605, the Lord allowed them to come into captivity to the Babylonians. You know, for that hundred years or so, Judah might have thought like this, well, he's judged them, he let us go. Friend, let me tell you something about God's judgment. It's sure, but it's also swift and sudden. When, when Babylon, or the Babylonians came into Jerusalem, desecrated the temple, carried the sacred vessels, and would destroy or desecrate that place, they would tell you then God's, God's judgment is sudden. It's also systematic. Thorough is the word that I could have put there. See, God is faithful. God is just. Yes, He cannot look upon sin. And if we don't deal with the sin, if we don't deal and confess the sin, God then has no alternative but to judge us for that sin. Now, whether I preach another message out of the book of Habakkuk the prophet is yet to be seen. But I do see here that Habakkuk was appealing to the Lord. And in his appeal, Habakkuk literally said, I think in chapter 2 it was, I'll set upon my watch and see what the Lord may do. Now, friend, as you bow your head with me today in this time of invitation, this time of commitment, hey, let's don't take the approach that, hey, God, whatever's ours, just bring it on. Let's don't take that approach. Well, we need to get on our faces before God. Repent. Repent of our own sin. Intercede for our national sin. And my friend, we need to be praying like Habakkuk in wrath, remember mercy. Are you here today and you never invited Jesus into your heart? Let me tell you, it's easy. Just confess your sin to Him privately and confess your faith in Him publicly. Hey, it's simple. Just confess. Not only confess, but also repent. And as we said in that scripture earlier, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you are saved. Maybe you're not quite where you were. And you say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to the King, to King Jesus. Whatever your need is today, let me encourage you that you would take care of the Lord's business.
Lord, bless this time. Give us grace, give us understanding, give us peace, and bless those who need to make decisions today. In Jesus' name.